This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, Thomas Harding from MLB.com and Rockies.com. On your new shortstop, Ezekiel Tovar. Tovar has the look of a guy that, at 21 years old, you can throw out there as the shortstop of a major league team. He has his own kind of style about him. You're pretty soon outfielder, Zach Veen. I like this about Zach Veen. The ball comes off his bat well. He's very confident. He has a lot of energy, but it's real, and players know when it's real. Plus, Thomas on the new rule. Rules in baseball. The NBA MVP conversation is heating up, and Drew weighs in. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. All right, welcome in, everybody. It is show number 191, and uh, I'm taping this today from Denver, but in a matter of hours, I'm heading down to Scottsdale, and I'll be there for the better part of a week. Um, and I'm excited. Can't wait. Can't wait to get down there. I know it's been cold. Talk to Thomas Harding uh, in a little bit about that. It's been chilly down there. So hopefully um, it starts to warm up. But uh, I'm fired up to, to see what's going on with the Rockies, to see how uh, all these new rules are playing out. I've been watching a little bit uh, on television. Speaking of television, I know a lot of you have uh, reached out to me via social media. And, uh, and I'm sure many of you have seen that. Um, there's a lot of things going on in regional sports television. The RSNs, the acronym for Regional Sports Networks, um, you know, a model that has been affected greatly by people cutting uh, the cord. And um, so now it's going to affect Major League Baseball and the NBA and the NHL going forward. Here's here's the thing. I, I'm not privy to a heck of a lot more than what you've read if you followed this. Um, I know this for pretty much for certain. All games are going to be on. Um, no sport is going to go backwards. Uh, it's not all of a sudden going to move back 50 years where only a handful of games are going to be televised. Games will be televised where they'll be and, and you know, and how you consume them. Uh, that potentially could change or be altered. Uh, so, you know, just uh, stay tuned. But I do know this much that there's going to be a game on uh, this Saturday, Rockies and Mariners, and we have uh, five additional ones throughout spring training. And, uh, you know, we'll be on the air from San Diego uh, with opening day on, on March 30th. Um, but uh, this is a fluid situation and uh, I'm not being cryptic. Don't know uh, a whole lot more the, than any of you. So I'm just uh, following it as you are the uh, the television, the local television situation. Um, and it's not just affecting Major League Baseball. As I said, it's going to affect the NBA um, and uh, and the NHL. But uh, they'll get it worked out, and um, we'll uh, we'll follow along from afar. Got to tell you, um, I mentioned uh, last week we lost Tim McCarver, and what an iconic voice he was of baseball, and, and in addition to having a hell of a career, 21 years uh, in the big leagues. Well, the other day, uh, a guy maybe not as well-known nationally passed away, uh, Terry Holland. And Terry was a terrific coach in basketball at the University of Virginia on the men's side, also was uh, at Davidson. And I hadn't seen Terry Holland in... I want to say 35 years. And the reason it kind of made me pause when I read about him passing at 80 is the one time I met him, I was working with him. 
And it took me back to, I want to say it was 88 to 89. It was New Year's Eve. And I was doing an ESPN game. And don't ask me why I remember this. Or maybe I, I, I think when I tell the story, you'll understand why I've always remembered this. You know, you do a lot of games and you can't remember, you know, who was playing and who won, etc. But I'm doing an ESPN game on New Year's Eve. And I want to say, as I said, it was 88 to 89. Um, maybe it was 89 to 90. And I'm paired with Terry Holland, who I knew. He was the you know, famous basketball coach at Virginia, Coach Bryant Stith, the former Nugget. And at that point in time, I believe he was the AD at Davidson and then later would be the AD at, at the University of Virginia. Very, you know, handsome, distinguished, kind of uh, middle-aged guy. And, uh, you know, I knew of him. And, and so I get paired with him. I'm excited. I'm in my 20s. And we have the University of Cincinnati coached by Bob Huggins. And they're playing South Florida. And um, I, we were at practice the day before. Bob Huggins, man, could he yell? I mean, you've seen his theatrics on the sidelines, whether it be years ago at Cincinnati or more recently at West Virginia. Um, he's a character. And, I mean, he was getting after guys in practice. And for me, you know, it was kind of eye-opening. Anyhow, Terry Holland couldn't have been nicer. What a, what a classy gentleman. And so we do the game on New Year's Eve. And, you know, now we want to get a bite to eat. You know, we hadn't eaten dinner. Um, you couldn't get in anywhere in Cincinnati. It's New Year's Eve. Everything's booked up. It's closed. Uh, it's not closed, but, you know, you, you got to pay a pretty penny just to get in the door. So we end up driving around and we end up in Covington, Kentucky, which is across, you know, the the uh, river, the Ohio River from Cincinnati. And the only thing we could find where we could actually get in, and now it's around, oh, 1145, is a White Castle. I had never been to a White Castle before. And I'm sitting there bringing in the new year with the famous and distinguished gentleman, Terry Holland. As I said, I'm in my 20s. And... You know, New Year's Eve, you know, if I was at home, I'd probably still be in the mode where I'm going to go out. Um, so I always will remember that bringing in a new year with Terry Holland at a White Castle in Covington, Kentucky. Uh, Terry Holland, rest in peace. But uh, it was the one time I got to work with him and uh, he could not have been kinder and could not have been a finer gentleman. Staying in basketball. Have you seen, uh, have, you, have you watched from afar as this uh, little repartee played out between uh, Nikola Jokic and uh, the former NBA big man Kendrick Perkins, who now uh, makes his home on ESPN? Uh, you know, Perkins, who I've heard praise Jokic in the past, uh, said that he's kind of been padding his stats, it seemed to him. Well, Jokic, who never says, you know, boo about any of those things. Uh, came out and responded after, you know, I think having a 40-point, 17-rebound, you know, 10-12 assist game the other day. He said he was just kind of padding his stats. I, th I thought it was kind of a, a nice retort for the Joker. If there's one guy out there that you can unequivocally say does not pad his stats, probably is unaware most of the time of how many points, how many rebounds, how many assists he has. It's, it's the Joker. All he cares about is winning. So I thought it was a little 
unfair on Perkins' part to assess the Joker in that fashion. I know for some, the Joker is a conundrum, not, you know, the super athlete. But what he is, is a great, great, three greats basketball player. And he should, at least on March the 1st, as I look at this, win his third straight MVP. The last guy to win three straight MVPs was a fellow named Larry Bird out of French Lick, Indiana. And there are some who said, you know, I have a problem with this because Jokic, yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's effective. Yeah, he's, you know, a rare big man that, you know, handles the basketball and the offense is run through him, but he's never even been to a, uh, an NBA Finals, much less won a championship, right? Doesn't matter. It's not a postseason award. They don't vote after the whole season's over. They're voting based on the regular season. And two years ago and last year and so far this year, he has been the most valuable player in the NBA. And hopefully he can knock off the uh, other part of the criticism this year and the Nuggets can do something they've never done before, get to a finals and win a championship. Wouldn't that be something? Another parade. But uh, I did want to make, uh, make mention of that. All right, quickly, uh, before we uh, bring on Thomas Harding, let's talk a little bit more about uh, you know the Rockies from afar, and I'll have uh, plenty of information for you next week and uh, obviously somebody else from spring training, um, but my observations you know more up close when I'm down on the ground in Scottsdale. But from afar, you know, Zach Veen, who's one of the top prospects in baseball, don't think he's going to break camp with the Rockies. But I, I would be shocked if we don't see him this year. He's off to a good start. You're going to see a lot of Ezekiel Tovar. I can't wait. You know, as the Rockies are in this transitionary period, the thing that gets you excited are new, fresh faces. We saw, we got to see Tovar at the end of last year. I don't think he was 100%. Um, this is a you know 21-year-old kid. And, you know, he's going to hopefully be a centerpiece um, on a Rockies club that, you know, whatever time frame it is becomes a contending team again and he's going to be in the middle of it he's off to a good start homer yesterday drew romo who again he's not going to break with the club and you know kind of like bean he's going to maybe start in double a drew romo catcher of the future of the rockies he's off to a good start uh, offensively and i understand it is spring training but it's coming and you want to see young guys get their first opportunity in big league camp and how they handle themselves. And so far uh, for those three, I mean, Tovar was great last spring training, but for Veen and Romo, good early returns. One other guy I wanted to make mention of, I know it's just one outing, but he's dealt with so many injuries, great competitor, good arm, and the Rockies need him to uh, help them out and, and have good health and, and maybe show some of the promise he had as to why the, the Rockies drafted him. Um, several years ago, and that's Peter Lambert. So Peter Lambert, after dealing with uh, you know Tommy John surgery and and you know a, a number of injuries with the arm, uh, is all healthy. And in his first outing in the spring, he threw the baseball very well. 
Uh, you can never have too many arms. So I did want to make mention of, uh, of Peter Lambert. All right, let's get to a good buddy of mine, guy who covers the uh, the Rockies comprehensively and has for years. And he's just he's one of my favorite people. I always say this to to just be around because he never outwardly has a bad day. He always has a smile on his face. He always has a great quip, a great story. Um, he is super popular with his. Uh, Brothers and sisters in the media. He's super popular with uh, with Buddy Black and the coaching staff and the players. And that's Thomas Harding from Rockies.com and MLB.com. And you know he's been in spring training since uh, pitchers and catchers arrived. And I like to do it with Thomas uh, periodically, kind of you know shoot the bull and and find out uh, you know what's going on from his perspective. So uh, here you go, Thomas Harding of MLB.com and Rockies.com. How are you, my friend? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling clean. About to look, peer down here at Salt River Fields, the talking stick, and watch the fighting Rockies against the Kansas City Royals. So I don't know. I don't know if this is running today or some other time. So if it runs some other time, I'll be watching the fighting Rockies against somebody else. How about that? Is is Buddy Black managing the Rockies and pitching for the Royals? He should be. They, he should grow back that uh, that. 1970s, 80s, mustache, maybe put on one of those tight light blue uniforms and hurl for the Royals. By the way, the Royals are bringing back the light blue road uniform, and I am jacked and excited about that. Yeah, well, maybe maybe their, maybe their part owner, um, Patrick Mahomes, requested that. Hey, if Patrick Mahomes likes light blue, then light blue is in style in that town because he pretty much can run that town, and I, I totally understand it. Doesn't he own like every team there is except for the Kansas City Chiefs? I think you're right because doesn't he have a piece of the MLS team? Yeah, he has a piece of the MLS team. I think there's a women's in There's a uh, – gosh, somebody's going to kill me. Why Why can't I remember the name of the – oh, um the women's super league, yeah, the women's so- soccer league, he, the du- the WSL, he owns a part of that that team too. You know, it's good to be Patrick Mahomes these days, right? It is. In fact, um, you know, if I need some money, maybe I'll just call him. National Women's Soccer League, yeah, in, yeah, that's right, NWSL team in Kansas City. So now I'm not ashamed of myself. No, you were you were going to get uh, you're going to get yourself in trouble. So. Um... Hey, uh, I'm coming down tomorrow, which I know excites you to no end, but I want you to get me um, kind of caught up on what you've been observing because you've been down there since um, the opening days of spring training, pitchers and catchers, and the players arrive. Um, a quick a quick overall synopsis of what you have seen through the first you know week and a half of, of camp. Well, first, let me tell you what I felt through the first um, you know, whatever of camp is that it is cold um, for for here. Obviously, nobody in Denver is is playing the violin for me. But like today, the high is going to be 58 degrees, and we thought it was warming up last weekend, and it hasn't warmed up yet. And even um, just being on the practice field, uh, players who are used to the summer game are complaining about it. I think a couple of things that I'm seeing from the Rockies early on is, and it's something I'll be exploring on my. Um, website rockies.com later is that offensively 
they've been pretty productive, and you can see some intent out of the offense. Obviously, they didn't go out and get Aaron Judge and Mike Trout to bust the fence down. But as you know, this team has struggled a lot just putting things together offensively. If they don't hit home runs and they didn't last year, it's really hard to score runs. I'm seeing more um, intent out of the offense right now. And the reason why I'm, I'm not um, obviously going to run out of here and say, hey, get those playoff tickets now. But it seems like there's, it, it, it seems like there's a possibility that if people stay healthy, the Rockies will at least be kind of a, a tough out at home because they'll score a lot of runs and maybe on the road they can hang in games. That's, that that's kind of what you expect or hope from the Rockies anyhow. So if they stay healthy and Brennan Rogers already has a, at least at this stage we know is a dislocated left shoulder, um, if they can stay healthy, maybe they will not be that easy an opponent. Yeah. Specifically to Rogers who dove yesterday and, and had the shoulder uh, sublex pop out, they pop it back in. But uh, what are you hearing at least, you know, 18 hours later as to what his um, prognosis is going forward. Yeah, everything was positive as far as the strength test that they did immediately afterward, which gives them cause for hope. However, he was, um, as we speak, he is uh, having an MRI and they're awaiting the results of said MRI. So I don't want to go nuts until I see that. Here's my personal feeling on that. Last year, this this does sound like the injury that Jonathan Daza suffered last year. He ran into a wall. They popped it back in on the field, same as uh, Brendan Rodgers. He missed 22 games, um, 22 major league games. He obviously was back, played some rehab games. My question is, this early in spring training, how much time will he need to get ready for the actual season? Um, is it is it wise to push opening day, which, you know, you could probably do if it's the same injury, but is it wise to push it, or do you begin him on the injured list and give him an opportunity to truly have a spring training? So that's the question I have. I got you. Yeah, and, and listen, I, I've said this many times, but in, in all sports, um, football aside, violent game, uh, but even in baseball, it's not – you know, are you going to be able to be injury free? There's no such thing. Guys are going to have injuries. Now, you hope to avoid catastrophic injuries, especially to key players. You know, Chris Bryant missed three quarters of the season. The Rockies don't have the depth, as we know, uh, to be able to overcome that type of uh, of situation. But, you know, I think it's always foolish when you say, well, you know, we, we got to be healthy. Well, you're not, not every team's going to be healthy. There's no team that, that stays 100% healthy. So is the depth from what you've observed greater than it has been? That's a good question. Um, Pitching-wise, they brought in a few kind of younger arms, but let's face it, they're wild cards because they haven't shown that they can do it at this level yet. So there are more bodies in that respect. I think as far as position players are concerned, there is more depth beneath the depth that you need at the major league level. In other words, um, when they reach into AAA, there's a little bit of depth there, probably more than last year, but the talented younger guys are about a step behind there. So if you're looking at depth for 2023, um, if, if you're digging into depth, you're digging into a really rough season if you're the Colorado Rockies. If you're able to um, stay um, somewhat healthy at the at, at the top of the food chain, 
then maybe you have a chance to be competitive. What that means, I really don't know. The, the Rockies system has um, been, it, it was not looked upon favorably a couple, even just a couple of years ago. But now, uh, de, you know, depending on who you subscribe to, Baseball America, MLB.com, ESPN, um, you know, a top half farm system, a top third farm system for some uh, folks who evaluate the minor leagues. And at the top of the food chain, um, are, are two guys I want to hear uh, about, and I'm sure all Rockies fans want to hear more about, Ezekiel Tovar, who made his maiden voyage, or at least uh, got his feet wet late last season, and Zach Veen. So what have you seen of those two? I know Tovar hit a homer yesterday. Veen hit a homer a couple of days ago. Uh, give me give me a synopsis of, of what you've observed. Tovar has the look of a guy that, at 21 years old, you can throw out there as the shortstop of the Major League team. Um, he... He operates in a quieter manner than, say, a Troy Tulowitzki, maybe in a less um, forceful manner right now than Trevor Story, but he has his own kind of style about him. Um, you could tell that he is very confident as a fielder. You could tell in the batter's box also, and this is something that I've, that I've observed from him just here early in camp that will serve the Rockies well, is that He's able to slow in that bat down. Um, we didn't see the real Tovar last year because he was coming off of an injury, kind of a hip-type injury, and um, he wasn't fully himself. But what I'm seeing in the batter's box is a guy that he'll take his swings, but he'll also read a situation. Um, so you're looking at a guy that you can depend on in the middle of your field. I, I know from just asking about him in the minor league level also, with his teammates, he is a leader type. He is a, he is the guy that in meetings, you know, he'll speak up or he'll come with an idea. So there's a lot to like about him. Now, the way he was hitting in double A, like 318 and with some power and things like that, I don't know that that's going to happen at the major league level. He's not the type of guy I can sit here in the press box, look down and say, he's going to come in and bust some fences here. But, can he handle the ups and downs? My guess is he probably can. Um, you know, you've seen really good players. I mean, look at Troy Tulowitzki, his second year, where he struggled mightily and got hurt the second year. Um, also, Trevor Story went through some issues with striking out the second year. So it's not an easy break-in for a shortstop, but I think that I put um, Ezekiel Tovar Right with those two guys. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying, oh, he's no, I'm not dismissing as, oh, he's no Tula, because just coming through the system, that was the guy he was compared to. And I watch it at this level, but does he have that type of talent to make a huge difference to a team? My answer is yes. And one of the things I'm going to be watching, you know, I'll, I'll see him play tomorrow, and is how he moves, because he was a guy that we were told when he was 18 by people you and I both trust um, that he can play a big league shortstop defensively You know, when, when he was a teenager. And last year when he came up, it looked like he was still battling that hip flexor injury and did not, you know, in fairness, he's a kid, but he did not move like we had seen him in spring training a year ago. Is that all in the rearview mirror now from what you've uh, seen? Yeah, that's all in the rearview mirror at this point. I think we see what 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 we expected to see. In fact, last year it was interesting too because during the injury, if you if you recall, he missed a month and a half. Then he goes um, on a quick rehab assignment, 
at, at AAA, and then he's in the major leagues. I mean, that's not much prep time. And I thought that the way he handled that, he didn't try to do too much. Now, at the end, he made a play in L.A. that was like, okay, that's the Tovar we've been hearing about. But um, I, I, I would not um, judge how he moves by what we saw at the end of the season because it's September 24th after a month and a half out. I mean, that, uh, yeah, that, this guy moves. He really moves. Yeah, looking forward to to seeing him, and he's he's gonna have a chance to be hopefully, as you suggest, the next you know terrific Rocky shortstop. Fair or unfair, you know the expectations are gonna be high. They're also gonna be high um, when Zach Veen arrives, and I think many people hope, including Zach Veen, that it is at some point in the twenty twenty three season. He's made a nice early impression, hasn't he? Yes, he has. I mean, he's. There's just a lot of lightning in his body is the best way to put it. Um, he hits, he runs, he does a lot of good things. And also, he's supremely confident. I mean, the, the Colorado Rockies, no offense to the Colorado Rockies, but at times, they're a bit dull, you know? They're a bit dull, milk toast, whatever. Um, like guys who do exactly what they do, you know, what they're supposed to do, guys who color within the lines. Zach Veen. He'll attempt to steal a base when maybe you say, gee, you know, this is not the situation. The numbers say this, whatever. He strikes me as the type of guy that's going to, yeah, but those numbers don't apply to me. I mean, I like this about Zach Z. The ball comes off his bat well. Um, he, he, he's very aggressive. He's very confident. He's, he, he's the type of guy, and Buddy Black was saying this this morning, that he has a lot of energy. Um, he's a live wire in the dugout, everywhere else, but it's real, and players know when it's real. I like this guy. Um, so I guess we'll see what happens with him. He did put on some muscle weight um, coming up here. He doesn't look as much like a boy. He looks more like a man right now. And here's what I think about Zach Zee. Had um, Ezekiel Tovar not gotten hurt, we'd have seen him in July, maybe even August, instead of September 24th. I think Zach Zee, we may see him in July. Yeah. I mean that listen, let's be honest. That that's the exciting part. If you're a Rockies fan, you've had to um endure four disappointing seasons after the back to back playoff appearances and the departure of Arenado, the departure of Story, they've been well chronicled. Uh, everybody's read, you know, six million pieces by, you know, folks like yourself and Patrick Saunders on on uh you know what transpired. But now it is the next wave, and they're beginning to, uh, you know, arrive. And I, I find it from where I sit, and, and I, I can't speak for you, but I, Thomas, you and I are good friends. I think you feel the same way. There's nothing more exciting than watching a young player develop into a star. It's, it's unusual, but when it happens in front of your eyes, it's even cooler than when you go and get the established star in free agency. Don't you agree with that? Let me think about that, because if you go get established stars in free agency, you usually don't have to wait for that guy to develop, and you've yeah. got a very good team. So, right. I, I hear you. I, but, I, but I will say, from yeah, from a development standpoint, yes. However, I, I, this is the thing that I notice about the Rockies, is that they'll develop a number of established-type stars. They did it with Arenado's story. Um, they traded for DJ LeMahieu before he was ready. Charlie Blackman. They develop a lot of those guys. The weakness in the Rockies and the reason why you have these exciting times like 2017 and 18 and a few years back when they were in the playoffs and then, the, and then these difficult times 
is that they're usually dependent on developing everybody. So they have to develop stars and they have to develop bit players. So a lot of times when you see that guy come through the system and he's not a star, um, what, what, what happens is, is he becomes one of the role players on the team. So I, I think that's, that's what you look at when you look at the Rockies. Now, I, I will say this in my coverage on MLB.com, Rockies.com, I've spent a lot of time, and I'll probably address this, I spent a lot of time talking about that next wave of people, even though we may not be seeing that next wave until midseason and more likely next season. But the reason that I'm doing that is if I were to write more about this team here, I'm writing the same story over and over and over again. Can Chris Bryant rebound from the injuries? Can C.J. Crone rebound from a bad second half? Can Brendan Rodgers put together a full season of hitting and rebound from the bad slumps. Can Ryan McMahon rebound? I mean, rebound, rebound, rebound. Elias Diaz, uh, Kyle Freeland, Herman Marcus. I feel like I'm writing about basketball, not baseball. There's so much rebounding going on here. Um, <laughs> so I want to keep people actually reading. But as the season begins, let's face it, we, we're going to have a team sitting in front of us. Now, what happens if all of those guys turn it around and maybe it's something magical? Do all those guys turn it around in one year? Usually not, to be honest with you. So that's why when people are predicting the Rockies, there are dire win totals. And last year, they turned out to be accurately dire win totals. But, um, you know, there, there's always that hope in spring training that everything will go right and, and you know, we'll be um, holding hands and singing at the end of the year. Um, but you don't expect that, and that's why I am spending a lot of time on that next wave of people because people don't know them, but they are getting um, noticed in the industry. So that's what I'm doing a lot of down here in Scottsdale. Yeah, I, I, um, I may have to reach out to an old friend, the round mound of Rebound, and get uh, Charles Barkley's take on it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, actually, we should have him on the podcast, and he could talk about whether C.J. Crone can bo is boxing out properly under the boards here. I mean, there, there's a lot of rebounding going on. Listen, Charles Barkley can sit and talk about anything, and you will be entertained, guaranteed. He's the best. Oh, there's no doubt. It, it, it's funny, just just as a total aside, because we're on the podcast, so we can go wherever we want. That's right. But before I took this beat, I did a lot of college basketball. And I was talking to another writing colleague, and he was saying, as we, we got to talking about Barkley, why a guy that height was getting so many rebounds. And we know it's about boxing out and other things like that. But there has to be something more, something physical, something deep inside him that allowed him to get the rebounds. Well, the guy was telling me that there was an NBA scout. And he said, if, especially if a player is undersized, then he will look at the guy's butt because if a guy has a big, wide butt, it's almost like adding to his height if he uses it properly. So while Charles Barkley was 6'4", you added his butt, and he was like 6'11", and that's how he was able to rebound. Um, you know what? I'll buy into that. Uh, I, I'll buy into that. He had a sizable derriere. He was a quick jumper, too. Um, yeah. He could get off the ground tenacious there's a lot of want you know this you you know hoops there's a lot of want to in in going and in getting rebounds even even Dennis Rodman who was that was like his sole purpose to defend and rebound Dennis Rodman was you know he was six eight six seven and a half he wasn't huge but he was a you know phenomenal rebounder okay, every ounce of his athletic ability was get uh, yeah geared to rebound 
More with Drew and Thomas Harding of MLB and Rockies.com right after this. Steel Power Tools, it's spelled S-T-I-H-L. You know their product. You see with the uh, orange on all of their stuff, whether it's uh, a chainsaw or blower or trimmer. They have so many products. I tell you all the time, just go to SteelUSA.com, SteelUSA.com, S-T-I-H-L, or SteelDealers.com, more than 10,000 dealers around the country, and go shopping, man. Buy product and then run down to the dealer and it'll be waiting for you. And there are so many different items. And you may think, well, you know, I'm pretty much all set. Do me a favor. Get online and take a look at all they have. And I guarantee you'll find several, as in more than one, that you say, you know what? That would be useful to have in my tool shed. That would be useful to have my tool shed. And you'll be like me. You'll you'll have a, a plethora of skill tools, and uh, you'll even know how to utilize some of them. But they're great. Battery operators, the way I go, super powerful. Love the battery stuff. Charge lasts forever. They have electric if you like that. They have gas powered as well. Um, but uh, I, I go battery powered. Anyhow, it's Steel, S-T-I-H-L, SteelUSA.com, SteelDealers.com. Boyer's Coffee. Been brewed in the Rocky Mountains since 1965. You know that. If you haven't had Boyer's Coffee right now, there's something wrong. If you're a Coloradan, you ought to have a full cabinet of Boyer's Coffee. It's brewed here. It's smooth. It's terrific. It's consistent. And they have so many flavors. Chocolate cherry. How good does that sound? I don't know. To me, it sounds good. Some folks aren't into the different flavored coffees. Um, I'm a big chocolate guy. They got chocolate mousse coffee going now. They got coconut cream. Um, I like the Sumatra mashup. Um, and I've got I've got a cabinet full of those. I have them delivered to my house. Go to boyerscoffee.com. That's boyerscoffee.com and go shopping. It's that simple. Uh, you can go to your local market as well. Um, I do it uh, online, and I have it delivered uh, periodically to the house. I'm a K-Cup guy, and it works wonderfully well for me. You'll love it. it it's great coffee, and uh, they're locally owned and operated, and it's as good a cup of coffee as you will find anywhere. BoyersCoffee.com. Now back to Drew and Thomas Harding. I want to ask you about rules, but I want to get one more take on a, on a young guy that could be in the mix even sooner than Zach Veen, and that's a kid out of um, Shepherd University in the great state of West Virginia, the home of Thomas Harding, and that's Brenton Doyle. I mean, you guys speak the same language, I assume. Oh, we speak the same language, and he's a Shepherd Ram. Of course, you know, the people of Colorado know about him, about the Rams. I mean, didn't uh, the Rams play against Mines in the Division II playoffs? But, yes, very toolsy guy. Um, is he ready for this level right now? I think they're going to give him a whole lot of playing time, especially early. My 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 impression is, unless he just absolutely lights up um, all of Arizona, warms it up to the – to the burning um, cauldron that it usually is. I think he'll begin the year in AAA and learn a few things to get to the major leagues. This guy, he's, he's big and strong. He can run. You could tell that there's lightning in the bat. Um, is he ready for the major leagues yet? I'm not sure about that. But, you know, giving him every opportunity, this is one of the best things 
if there is something good about coming off a last place season and expected to finish last again is that you take a lot you take a long look at your future and there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, you 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 watch this guy run and you're like, Wow, this is cool. You could set this to music. The question is, will he put the ball in play in order to uh make music at this level? Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, he's an interesting guy because he is toolsy. He runs well. He's got pop. Uh, you know, he's, he was a Division II guy, but but lit it up. All right, rule changes. I mean, it's been the number one topic of conversation in spring training, uh, no matter what team you follow. What are you hearing from guys as they adjust, and is it – more onerous for the pitchers or is it more onerous for the hitters i think everybody focused on the pitchers during the off season and you know they have to be ready to go but we're seeing that a lot of hitters um aren't ready to go with eight seconds left what are you what are you hearing it's funny and i've listened to some of the folks here frankly to a certain degree and i'd like to unpack this a little bit more what i'm hearing is going in one ear and out the other um because i'm really trying to watch some things The pitchers are complaining a little bit more, but part of that to me, it feels like they're trying to send a message, hey, don't really enforce this. As long as baseball enforces these rules, I am all for all of them, okay? You're not – I don't have a lot of sympathy because what happened to this game was something the players did to themselves by stepping off, rubbing the ball, stepping out, fixing their gloves, um, you know, turning this thing into C-SPAN, having meetings all over the place. Um, so I am for the rules changes. Now, there is one rule that that I don't know if, if it will be adjusted or if they'll come out and say, okay, this is what we'll do. When the catcher is on base to end an inning and the pitcher has to warm up, say a relief pitcher is coming in, usually the catcher goes in, puts on a stuff, the backup catcher warms him up, catcher – says something to the pitcher, then squats and takes and takes some pitches. I don't think we're going to have that conversation because that's where a lot of the violations have occurred. When you're throwing a pitch with less than 30 seconds left on the pitch clock, it is a, an automatic ball violation. But spring training is the time to uh, work on that. The reason why I am not freaking out yet is that, first of all, we're in spring training stadiums. And there have been some situations where innings were starting while ball boys were on the field. But the problem is here, a lot of times it's kind of like a a good outing for a kid, you know, 12-year-old kid, 10-year-old kid. Hey, be the ball boy for this game. It's fine. At the major league level, you have actual employees because they have to be adults. And I think that some of the ancillary stuff that, that maybe you get tripped up on, I think will be fixed. The other thing that I wish would happen right now, the violations are just signals by the umpire. I would rather, and we've discussed this about instant replay, they finally went to it last year. I'd rather they flip on the mic and say automatic ball, automatic strike, flip it, strike, flip it off. Because I, I did see an instance here where the scoreboard operator did not see it. That, that is the one thing that I wish they would adjust in the rules here if you're going to adjust something is how it's communicated to the fans and the, and the people in the stadium and the, and the viewing audience at all. It's going to be a lot on the umpires. I mean, when a game ends because a strike was called and you have, you know, the tying run at third, that sort of thing, uh, 
you know, will that be massage? Will the will the home umpire, you know, go and dust off home plate and then remind the batter, hey, you got to get in, man. That should have been strike through. I mean, do you think that's what's going to take place? Um, as you know, I'm a big hockey fan, right? Yep. So over the years, no, that's hold, hold, hold on a second. Let me clarify that you are a big hockey fan, but you're really a Pittsburgh Penguin fan, and oh, everybody no doubt else. About it. Yeah, let's go Pens. Let's go Pens. I get to say that. I get to say that um, on on the air with you. Here's here's what I'm seeing. So a few years ago, the NHL decided there was too much gumming up in the middle of the ice. So they say we're going to call obstruction. They called obstruction. But then they heated complaints. We lost the game because you called obstruction penalty. It would have been caught last year. And eventually the rules slid back. And what, what no, not the rules because it was just an interpretation. What they had to do was like, you know, add the trapezoid behind the net and do things on the ice and get rid of the center ice red line in order to do what they should have done had they called the rules properly. These are rules that have been, these are rules that have been made. There should be no, I'm sorry, I mean, I'm sorry, if you make a violation and you lose a game, what there, what's the difference between that and a wild pitch? There yeah. is no difference. You know, the, the rules say this, you play by them. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a, you know, that's, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. And I know people are up in arms in some circles right now. The players will adjust. They have another five weeks to adjust in spring training. There will be an adjustment period during the regular season. Right. And, and then it will become, uh, you know, less of topic of conversation. And I do think the game, trimming significant amount off the off the game um, is a is a good thing. The pace of the game had slowed too much. Right. Yeah. It, to me, the length of game, and I know that that that'll come up a lot because it's a measurement. The length of game doesn't matter at all to me. It's is something happening while the game is being played. Listen, these rules I've said this before are the prenuptial agreement of baseball. Okay, meaning that. Say you're going to get married. Oh, I love you, baby. Let's let's have children. Let's build a house. Let's have dogs. Okay, but then you say, hey, sign this prenuptial agreement and we can do this. What happens? A big argument breaks out, right? But if the if the marriage goes the way that it's supposed to go, and some go that way, some don't, but if it goes the way it's supposed to, 10, 15 years later, nobody remembers that you signed that agreement and you turn, hey, honey, remember that prenup that we argued about for six days and hasn't been mentioned in 25 years? That's what I'm seeing here is that if this goes the way it's supposed to, there will be pain in the beginning. But then they'll all learn how to play baseball. Hey, this has been in the minor leagues for a few years. They have learned to do this. And nobody got hurt, nobody died, so let's ride, ride, ride. Thomas, that's why I love you, buddy. You're the only person I know that could weave a prenuptial agreement analogy into the game of baseball and uh, and do it so effortlessly and seamlessly. That was beautiful, man. Baseball is love. How about that? Yeah. All right, well, listen, I'm going to let you jump. you gotta, you got to get uh, prepared to take copious notes on the uh, Rockies and Royals this afternoon and uh, tomorrow at this time you can look to your left or your right and i'll be tapping you on your shoulder i'm looking i'm looking forward to that i'm looking forward to here to seeing you as i hear the dulcet tones uh, yes and by the way um very quickly give give some people a little tease on what you got and what's coming up on uh on rockies.com mlb.com uh, what, can, what what will they be reading Okay, good. I'm, well, as I'm sitting here, I'm going to write on Alan Trejo, who, 
you know, if you ask him, he says he's a shortstop. But he hasn't had had the opportunity to play because they want uh, they want Tobar to play it. But Alan Trejo has a chance at second base now with Brendan Rodgers possibly missing the beginning of the season. Um, probably tomorrow I'll look at gee, what does the how I predict the roster will be. That's one of those stories that goes off into the ether because I change it again. But coming up, I'm excited about two stories. Number one, Hensley Bam Bam Mullins, the new hitting coach here. There are some things that he has implemented that if you're watching and you're listening and you're really paying attention, you can see and feel during these early exhibition games. And also, um, and also just talking to, um, how they're going to play better defense this year. Uh, they, they struggled defensively last year. And as you know, coaches change. Um, and, and you don't blame the previous coach. You just uh, maybe do something a little bit different. Warren Schaefer, with his managing experience in AAA and throughout the minor leagues, is fresh. He's bringing some of that to the infield here. So those are things that are coming in the coming days. And I do hope that you stick with MLB.com on those. Yeah, that, that'll be, I look forward to those. Um, I had Warren on a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to have Bam Bam on in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'm excited about Bam Bam being here. Good guy. He only speaks like 35 languages, so he makes you feel really uh, like, a, like a dope when you're around him. But good, good guy. Fans are going to really like uh, – Yeah, not only that, Bam Bam, um, one of his first coaching jobs was in Bluefield, West Virginia. So he had to learn the language there. In fact, that, that's the town where I grew up. Here's a quick story. He was managing – um, the Netherlands, which he's doing now in the WBC, he was managing the Netherlands team. Can't remember if it was the Olympics or what, but at that time, early 2000s, hey, everywhere cell phone um, cell phone um, coverage was poor. He had to drive to the top of one of the mountains there in order to communicate with his folks back in the Netherlands, as he was also coaching um, a team in Bluefield in the in the minor leagues. Wow. And so he, he's like, you know, he's from Curacao. So, you know, in English and Spanish and, you know, and Dutch, he speaks all these different languages and, and Bluefield and Bluefield. Yeah. And the, the strange thing about Bluefield, there was a guy named Sherwin Senche, an outfielder. I'm not sure if he got to the majors with the Orioles, but he was the first professional player from Curacao in, in any of the minor league systems. And he was there, had very few people to talk to, um, and he did not speak a lot of English then, but the um, language there was kind of a dialect of English, Dutch, and Spanish. So he was able to actually survive a bit because he knew something of this language. So the education system there, um, I envy it, to be honest with you. Mm, interesting stuff. Uh, Tomas, it's always great to catch up. We'll do it again uh, soon. Again, people can read Thomas for years and years. You know that at Rockies.com, at MLB.com. Um, and as he um, as he does and likes to tell us as well, but it's accurate, you, you're just getting ready to write some more poetry each day, right? That's right. It's time to write some poetry, baby. Uh, Tomas, I'll see you tomorrow, man. I look forward to it. Have fun, and, and thanks again as always, brother. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, Thomas, as you learned, from Bluefield, West Virginia, and in enormous, in capital letters, Pittsburgh Penguin hockey fan. I mean, he, he's number one. He's the biggest Penguins fan I know of. Uh, good man, good friend. And uh, again, we'll hear more from uh, Thomas uh, as the season unfolds. Speaking of hockey... 
Colorado Avalanche on a roll here in the second half post All Star break, and they need to. And they, you know, they were. It was only a few weeks ago, but they were on the outside looking in at the playoff picture, and now um, they're in the mix potentially to end up the top seed in the Western Conference. I still think they're the most gifted team in the Western Conference. There are a lot of teams in the East that are making um, a lot of moves, and the East seems to be deeper. Um, but no matter, the Avalanche are going to put themselves in a good position if they can return to health, number one, get McCarr back full-time. And they made a move as we tape this today on Wednesday the 1st. They picked up Lars Eller from Washington, veteran center. Now, was he a, a, a top-two center iceman like the Avalanche maybe coveted? Um, no, he's not. Um, he, he's more or less probably a, a third-line center. But here's what you're getting. You're getting a guy that, good-sized guy, native of, of Denmark, 6'2", about 210 pounds. Uh, great run when the Caps won the Cup a few years ago. He had 18 points in 24 uh, playoff games. He's a good face-off man. Um, and that's something we, you know, if you follow the Avalanche, you know they they have to be better. Um it's not as if JT Comfer can take every face off. Seems like he does right now. They they need another uh, responsible two way centerizeman that can take face offs, and they didn't have the draft capital to go out and get a front line guy. So they get a veteran in Lars Eller, and it also signals to me that they believe that Landis Gog, who's skating again, is going to play at some point late in this postseason or late in this regular season and be ready for the postseason. And, um, you know, that certainly uh, would be ideal. He's, he's obviously been out much longer than people um, and, the, and the Avalanche expected him to be when the season started. But he's skating again. To me, this indicates with the acquisition of Lars Eller that they expect Landis Gog to be back. But a good depth piece, and the, and the Avalanche have a history of adding uh, depth pieces that pay off, especially veteran guys, guys that have been around winning like Lars Eller. Uh, so uh, a second-round pick for Lars Eller, I think it's a pretty solid move for McFarland and Sackick uh, and the Brain Trust down uh, at, uh, at Ball Arena. That'll do it for this edition of the Drew Goodman Podcast. Number 191 is in the books. Uh, appreciate Thomas Harding. Once again, catch him at MLB.com and, and Rockies.com. Uh, catch all of the uh, items you can find, whether listening or in print, um, at Mile High Sports. And we will do this again in seven days. Look forward to heading down to Scottsdale, as I said, tomorrow morning. So um, we'll have uh, a lot more stuff for you, for you from uh, Scottsdale. Take care. Stay well, everybody. Talk to you soon.